The Flywheel Podcast. The Flywheel Podcast. Buckle up and get ready to set your life in motion. Hosted by Mike and Justin. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Mike and Justin here. Today, we're going to be talking to Jason, a realtor from Keller Williams and Van Geese Group. And we're here to hear uh, about some advice on real estate investing. There's a ton to cover on this topic, making it seem too daunting to even figure out where to start. And so today, we hope to break down the barriers for our listeners, discuss some of the basics, and hopefully point you in the right direction for more information. So with that, let's get this started. Jason, I'm going to send it over to you for a brief introduction about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, Jason O'Connor, I uh, work at Keller Williams Edge as a real estate agent. Um, Started investing in real estate in 2017. And more recently, the newest venture is construction. So I got into a a business with a a partner, Evolution Construction Management. It's kind of tailored towards um, investor-specific renovations. So yeah, just working on that now. And uh, just uh, just enjoying it. So awesome. Well, welcome. Um, let's get started with Jason. What made you develop a passion for real estate? Like, re- really take the box and got you going on that. So uh, when I first bought my property in 2017, um, actually, even maybe two years before that, I was in school. Uh, I was in a finance class, and I was looking around. Everybody was kind of you know, aggressively typing notes when the prof was speaking, <clears throat> literally on everything. And the prof would say their name. I could see the keyboards going. I was actually on point two homes looking at properties because I wanted to be a, a real estate investor. And through that two-year process from 2015 to 2017, it was kind of uh, shiny object syndrome. Everything was looking good to me. I was like, I don't want to be in school, so I'm going to start this business. I'll start this. I'll start this. So I had this long list of companies that I wanted to to do and businesses that I wanted to start. And I would kind of step into one and it would quickly fail, obviously, because it wasn't something that I was that passionate about. Everything would turn back to real estate investing. So I kept, you know, looking at properties, um, checking out numbers. And and, I I really enjoyed running numbers. I still have papers at home at my parents' place. you know, covered white, white pieces of paper, just covered in numbers. Cause I was, I was trying to see cash flows and, you know, certain things. Uh, so I always had an interest in it. And, um, again, yeah, just with these other failing endeavors, it just became more attractive to me. So ended up buying my first property at 21. Um, I thought I was going to be like rich overnight. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> like that. But yeah, it took a, took a while and then, you know, just kind of snowballed from there. So after I bought my first place, learned um, the ins and outs about it, uh, started telling my buddies about it, you know, hey, you should get into real estate investing. They weren't too receptive back then, but uh, ended up getting my license, I think two, would have been two years after that. So 2019, I was fully licensed in 2020. Um, and yeah, I've kind of, it snowballed from that first investment, but used all of the knowledge from there you know, taking that first step, taking the initiative to actually go and buy a property to, to close on it, to put renters in there and reap the rewards from that. Just taking those lessons that I learned um, and and applying that to, to sales and just, you know, having a, a client base that's geared towards investing is, uh, is something that uh, I've always wanted. So here we are. And uh, yeah, just, uh, just, you know, working hard every day to, to continue this business. So maybe that's a, like a really good spot to start, which is, Maybe you can walk us through the full spectrum of the types 
of ways that people can invest in property? Yeah. I mean, we get um, <clears throat> calls all the time for whether it's uh, short-term rentals, long-term rentals, you can buy land, you can build, you can, you know, buy, like I said, buy land and, and develop it or, or you know, kind of get a, an approval for a, a development and sell it that way. Conversions, just your typical buy a renovated property and hold it. Um, all are good in their own right. I think it just depends on your temperament as an investor. Uh, for me, it was originally buy something that's done. Don't I didn't know any contract, especially I was 21. I didn't know any contractors, didn't want to get into that, didn't have any capital to do that. So I bought something that was already ready, ready to go just through some tenants in there. Cash flowed like barely anything. It was kind of like a break-even deal. Um, but more recently, I think you know, where people are starting to make a lot of money is through conversions, especially with the shortage of of housing, buying a single family deal, renovating it into four units, three units, two units, whatever it is, um, refinancing it and the, the Burr strategy, right? Like buy um buy, reno, rent, refinance, repeat. So through that strategy, you know, a lot of people are making a ton of money, especially when the rates are are staying low and equity values are are going to the moon. But, um, you know, there's no way that if you're a new investor looking to get into it, maybe new construction is probably one of the better ways to do it. It's just hands off, um, buy it, close on it with equity. But in the long run, any way that you can get into real estate investing is going to be, uh, is going to be your friend. You kind of want to just jump in and, and it's, it's easy to, um, once once you're in it and you start making some money, it's easy to kind of see the other options. You get you get some experience going and, and and yeah, it kind of snowballs from there. So take us through a bit with your first property that you bought. You said in was it 2017? Yeah. So mm-hmm. take us through, you know, what that property was. Was it just you living in it? Um, were you renting it with multiple people, like renting it out to multiple people while you're living in it? So essentially like house hacking, which we can touch on that as well. Um, yeah, give us a little more details about that and then kind of the lessons you learned and took that forward into, I'm assuming you probably have purchased multiple now at this point. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yep. So yeah, maybe just take us through that a little bit. So, um, I think I looked at 12 houses before I bought this one. Uh, I looked at a house on this street. It was like a student area. Um, and, uh, this one was for sale in the, in a, in a court. So it was in the corner. It was a calm free sale, which is now I think purple bricks which is now something else. I don't even know. They keep changing. Uh, but that one was a townhouse in Thorold purchased for 360. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's unheard of now. Yeah. I should have held on to it. I ended up selling it to the tenants. There I don't are, even think you can get a one bedroom condo for that. These no, days. no, unless no. you're in like North Bay. If that, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. The average <laughs> price, like we're whatever, 600,000 there, but, um, uh, yeah, it was turnkey. There's nothing to do. There maybe a couple cosmetic things, but put a. Uh, I had awesome tenants. Like they were the best, and they they moved in. They like I said, it just kind of broke even, so it wasn't a killer investment in terms of cash flow. Yeah, you're just paying down the equity. Yeah, so it was strictly an equity investment, and I ended up selling it just before COVID because I thought, you know, this oh. has all the makers of a recession. <laughs> Big mistake. Sold it for I think. 452 to the tenants which again like like they were amazing so good for them mm. and good for them now yeah because, cheers yeah yeah 
It's probably worth like it, it worked out good for everyone though. Yeah. Yeah, I can't complain because that investment moved into another investment, which moved into, you know, I've purchased a little over four and a half million dollars of the real estate in the last uh, probably two years. Nice. So yeah. And where did you stumble across these tenants? Like, were they just people you met at wherever you were in that area, like school or something like that? Or uh, they were um, actually the real estate agent that I used to buy. He found them. So okay. it, like within 24 hours of it going on the MLS, they were in there. Yeah, because this is before you were a licensed agent. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's funny because, you know, I had a, I, because I was, I was in school, I had my, um, my dad had to co-sign on it. So when, you know, like I said, I thought when I bought this thing, oh man, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, this is it. This is, I'm retiring. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, the roof ended up leaking and a bunch of issues happened and I wasn't ready for that. So thank God, you know, my dad was able to, to, to help me out there. Um, he charged me 8% interest on the money that he loaned me, which is <laughs> good lesson. Hilarious. Good life yeah. lesson. Oh yeah. So, um, but yeah, again, no regrets with that one. Of course, it, it didn't cash flow, but again, it, you know, if you have the knowledge and once you start to to gain some experience with it, you can just take that money and recycle it into a couple other deals. So, so maybe that's a good next area to dive into, which is where that's where you began, and so now you've got some more experience. You've talked to more people. Where do most people begin, or where do you recommend most people begin? And I guess in the same vein is. If people are starting to look into that, what are some things they need to be thinking about to decide what is the right kind of approach for them to start with? Because even before you mentioned like new builds, you bought a single family home to start that was pretty much move in ready. And so where do most people begin? What are some of the questions they need to be asking themselves as they go through this process? That's a good question. Um, So I'll say it, I'll say it this way. If I could do it over again, if yeah. I didn't have anything, if I was just starting, I would start with a partnership. I would start with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, depending on where you are, if you're, if you're making a lot of active income, uh, you know, every year you're making good money, you can jump into a deal that, um, two other people might be, oh, that's a risky deal. You're doing a single family to fourplex conversion. Oh, that's, you know, seems like a bigger job, but you have that, that cash to support that. So partnerships, you know, some people, oh, I want to hold the, I want all the control. It, it, it's kind of irrelevant because they allow you to go a lot further with your money. So I'd be looking at getting into a partnership with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, again, new construction is always, not always, but in the last, you know, 10, 15 years has been fantastic. But if we're looking at it now, uh, I just read this morning, they might do a, a full percentage rate hike. So if you're buying at today's values with today's interest rates you know who knows if you close in 2025 are the rates going to be four percent like are they going to be four and a half are they going to be three nobody knows it's speculative yeah uh so getting into a deal i I think with a partner who has you know kind of created a process for themselves that you know they know what to do They, they know okay if i go into this this neighborhood i can convert this property conversions for sure that's that's where you're going to make the most uh the most money and the quickest period of time you'll be able to put all your money into this investment have it converted, rent it out, refinance it, get it all back within, let's say, six months. And now you're holding this cash flowing asset. And three units are always going to be better than one, right? And especially with condo fees, they can also hurt your cash flow a bit. Uh, not knocking new construction. It's always, it's it's a way to get into the market. But 
Um, if I could start it over and if I could give advice to somebody who is going to start, it's get into a deal that, uh, um, that doesn't, you know, kind of get rid of your, your, uh, cash reserves. Yeah. You want to kind of be able to, to recycle it back into your account as soon as you can. So one thing I'm, I'm also thinking here is you kind of give the perspective of someone who's like purely just in it for the investment side of it. What if this person is looking for an investment, but also to personally live in the property? Um, what would you recommend doing? Would it then be a, a, a pre-development or, um, or just similar uh, concept? So if they're looking to get in it and live in it, and yeah, also like, have a, it? like let's say yeah. a first-time home buyer, because in essence, like any real estate property you're buying should be an investment, unless you, I, I don't know, is it even possible to buy properties that go down in value like yeah. these days? Doesn't like you know, like you know it. what I mean? Like I feel like that's got to be. A, I'm sure you could find it, but yeah. yeah, but it's pretty hard to do, right? So in essence, like any real estate property is an investment. So for someone who's a first time home buyer, because I'm sure like there's going to be uh, listeners out here. I know my, me myself uh, would be one. So let's just take this as advice for myself. Being a first time home buyer, where would I start from your perspective? Um, I know you said a little bit about the pre development. Is that like you you hold firm on that suggestion, or is there an, another route that someone could explore that wants to be a little more creative? If if you're ready to buy and you were looking for an investment, but you also want to live in it, anything with a separate entrance, proper height in the basement, like you know, just doing things to code, obviously, but yeah. having that separate unit in the basement is your bread and butter. House yeah. hacking. Um, even better if you can get a triplex or a fourplex if you have the ability to do so. Yeah, you know, living in one unit and renting out the other three, you'll be able to live for free. If not, you know, you might be spending a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah, but you're paying down a massive portion. Of exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's you know, th there's it, it's so it's not easy, but there's so many properties where um, they have a separate entrance, or if you again, if you have capital, you can put in a separate entrance. Yeah. Like there's always solutions to do this stuff, yeah. but house hacking is by far the best way to, to do that. And, and, and you can even live downstairs right yeah. to the upstairs. Cause you'll make more money that way. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. If you're willing to take the head and you're like, I'm, yeah. you know, in my house for this much and I don't do all that much, whatever. Yeah. Um, I guess in layman terms, what is house hacking just for our listeners who may not know what that means? Yeah. So uh, essentially you'll buy a property that has, um, two or more units. You'll live in one of the units, rent out the other one. Um, you know, if you're living in a house by yourself, mortgage is all on you. That debt service is all on you. Uh, so having that you know, alleviated pressure with somebody else helping you pay the mortgage, if not paying the full mortgage, if not cash flowing, mm -hmm. that is, uh, that is house hacking. So, um, like you said, yeah, that's, you know, there's, there's really no better way to get into, not get into the market, but there's, there's no better way to start out and yeah. really build a foundation so that you can take that, move yeah. it onward and just continue to grow exactly. almost like you did, but yeah, exactly. obviously different times, but, um, yeah, same principles, yeah. right. Um, I guess my next question is, you know, I, I know you said, um, you know, look for a multifamily house. W what are some things that you look for to assess that? Like are there specific components to a house uh i know you said some obviously come with a second entrance um what would be some of the requirements that you look for in a house because I'm, I'm sure unless i'm wrong i feel like most houses could be converted or unless i'm thinking wrong here yeah yeah um first one is zoning uh, of course if the zoning is i mean you can always apply for a um a variance 
a zoning change. Um, depends on the city. I mean, Hamilton is going to be a lot harder than Niagara region. Welland, for example. Why is that? Um, Hamilton. So ha- Hamilton's funny because there's, I, I don't exactly know why the city's harder to deal with there. Maybe it's, just to weed out investors. Could like? be. Yeah. It could be, you know, there's so many people that are doing illegal basement suites or yeah, illegal fair. upper suites, whatever it may be. So they're cracking down on that. They're saying, well, you know, this basement is six feet to yeah. the height. It's, there's no egress window. There's no, you know, no proper fire escape. So, yeah. So there are, so there's quite a decent amount of requirements in terms of code for to sure. make it like legally yeah. rentable for yeah. multi, multi-family. Yeah. People are, people say, oh, you read a listing, you're like, it's an in-law suite. It's an in-law suite downstairs. It's like, you can, you have to duck and I'm tiny and I have to <laughs> yeah. like ducking when I walk downstairs. Like this is not it's illegal. Not livable. When you're no. five foot something and having to duck through <laughs> the door, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not right. And you know, that's. When I first started in investing, I was just looking at affordability from yeah. just a, a pure affordability standpoint. I need something that's under this price and, and buy it. And I need the numbers to kind of make sense. But if I'm losing money, it's okay. Now, when I look at something, um, it's, you know, it, how far are we from the main stack? How much is this plumbing going to cost if we have to trench it? You know, how much is it going to cost for an egress window here? Um, so a little more aggressive with it, but... Um, there's, if you have those requirements with, with parking, if you have double wide parking, if you have, you know, I, I like to look at seven foot basements. It's yeah. obviously nicer for, for the tenants for future resale. Yeah. Market, yeah. Uh, so if you have those, if you have a separate entrance, um, and your big ticket items are, are solid, your furnace, AC roof windows, if they're all good, then, then I'll usually pull the trigger on that. So it's like a, so far what I'm hearing is. You have to kind of understand and write down what are your goals. Are you looking for a place that you need to live in? Are you looking to purely make this an investment? How hands-on do you want to be? Um, What is your risk tolerance? And so some deals might be riskier. Some scenarios might be riskier. um, And you just have to sort of weigh that with other things going on in your life including like interest rates are a piece of that in that, that risk even condition of the home. Yeah. How, how much do you have available to invest is obviously another, you could want to go do something that's risky, lots of upside checks, all the boxes on your goals, but you got $10,000. So you got to sort of like scope the <laughs> right thing. Um, you brought up a good point around, will you be doing this alone or with others? And your recommendation, especially if you've never done one before is where and when possible to, to, join forces with someone else it just makes all of the three things below or above that i just listed easier might be able to align goals balances your risk uh allows you to have more usually uh available to invest and then what are some of the other things or or maybe that's all what are maybe any of the other things that you think people should be considering when purchasing an investment property other than those sort of items to go through and list down I think you listed a lot of the important ones. Um, capital, you know, are you willing to do the work? Do you have the resources? I, the biggest one is resources. Do, uh, do you have... Do, do you have access? So like, yeah. yeah, we're talking about converting something. Yeah. But if you do not, if you're going to pay market rate and hope to find a contractor that yeah. has time and is going to slot you in... And is going to be honest about the pricing. Yeah. Then you're toast. Yeah. You're already you're already at a setback, most exactly. likely. And just to speak on that, you could get a, a handy Randy in there who's going to 
you know, say all oh, this will be done in, in four weeks. First of all, if the contractor tells you a time, triple it because it's never done. Yeah. You're always going to find stuff behind the walls. Um, but being resourceful <clears throat> should start before you're investing. So if I'm a first, like before I bought my first place, I was on the phone with landlords who own 30 plus properties. What do you guys do? You know, how do you, how do you handle this? How do you handle this? And I look back at, I actually still have the questions on a, in a notepad. And I look back at those questions. I'm like, I can't believe I asked those. <laughs> They're just so such basic questions. I probably could have Googled them, but um, yeah, you kind of labeled everything. I mean, capital requirement and, and you know, yeah, the big one for sure being resourceful. And that's why I say partner with somebody. Cause if somebody's done it before they have the resources and instead of you going through one and completely messing up the first investment, which you probably would statistically, right? You're going to go through one. You've never done it before. You're, you're going to make mistakes and that's fine. Good, like good for you for taking the leap, but it could be expedited, you know, massively just by partnering with somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You can watch how it works. You can pick up their, their, uh, their tendencies. You can take who they're using their trades. Um, and that'll help you build that relationship and, and completely just expedite your process. So sure. on this, like, Regardless which option you take, I don't know what the cheapest would be. And maybe you can actually outline like is the cheapest way to get in as a first time home buyer in a new construction. Maybe that's your actually your lowest amount. But what is the minimum you need to get started here? Whether you're gonna live in it or whether you're going to co invest in something. Most people are probably like, I have ten thousand saved up, I have fifty thousand, I had to have one hundred. Like people what what is the clip to get started? in the lowest denominator, whether that's partnering on something or whether that's buying a pre-construction, like what is the minimum people probably need to sort of get, get in and kind of live up to where, where their dreams and aspirations are. If you're buying new construction, I think the, the biggest thing that is, uh, uh, you know, the biggest attraction about new construction is the deposit structure because you can put down 5% now, 5% in 90 days, 5% one year from now, 5% on closing. You have a lot of time to save up. Whereas if you are buying, um, you know, a duplex, you're going to need, you'll need 20 down for sure. If you're buying a single family house that you're going to live in, you can get away with five. So it depends on your goals. If you need somewhere to live or if you want somewhere to live, if that's your goal, you need a house 5% down is obviously, or 10%, whatever it may be. I'd like to advise people to try and avoid, avoid the CMHC fee. But if that's your way in, then so be it. Uh, but new construction is the most ideal deposit structure. So if that's, again, if that's your only way in, then, then so be it. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a couple options. You can also get into, like I said, being resourceful. If you have, uh, you know, family, a family member that's had a house they bought in 97 and they've got a ton of equity and you want to bring them in on a deal and you know how to structure it, you know how to, um, if you can create an Excel sheet and kind of pitch them on something and say, Hey, if you borrow $300,000 on your home equity line of credit, let's buy this deal. You know, here's, here are the numbers on it. And that's I, I, like, we'll get into this in a second, I'm sure, but working yeah. with a realtor who knows what they're doing. I, I know for one, if, I, if a client came to me and said, Hey, can you put together a spreadsheet? I want to, I want to help, uh, you know, I want to pitch my my uncle on why he should take out a home equity line and we should buy this deal on, uh, you know, Bonita Drive. I'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's for sure. I'll put together a, a spreadsheet. We'll go bring it to him. I'll say, hey, this is what you could do. He'll he'll loan the money. 
you run the project and, and I'll find the deal. So I'll bring in the deal. Project will be run. Uncle sits back, relaxes on his lawn chair. He's chilling. And at the end of the, at the end of it, when we sell this house, um, you know, person a, who's being resourceful gets 50%, uncle gets 50% and his repayment of his line of credit. So there's like, it's very hard to answer. There's so many ways to get into it. Depends on, you know, it does depends come back, on individual. It comes back to this piece around like maybe there's scenarios to partner. Maybe you do it alone, which actually yeah. shameless plug. I think we talked earlier um, as part of Van Geese group that you're part of. There's a just invest arm that'll be opening up that is actually meant to be turnkey of bringing people together. Yep. Whether they're people that you know in your circle or pairing with other people who you will meet and figuring out what is the amount of money, what is your goals and bringing you together on a project with the resources provided being that you might not have them and helps make that way more passive. So that is an option. We'll make sure to link it. Yep. Now let's let, let's maybe just talk about some of your scenarios. Like you've, you've obviously been in this space, um, evolution construction, you've done a bunch of properties since, uh, 2017. Um, have you ever bought a property and converted it? Uh, you know, take us through that process. Like, was it daunting? What would you advise for people to do? What are the things that you need to make sure of before going into that? If, if someone who is just starting out wanted to go down that route, what, what, what was your experience? First thing I do is, uh, if I see a property that's zoned incorrectly, mm. um, you know, if it's zoned for a duplex and it's listed as a single family, then I'm all over it. Uh, I always try to call the city. Well, I don't always try. I do call the city before every deal I've ever purchased just to get a clarification on what are, what is the actual zoning? What are the, what are the uses that are permitted? Can we do a duplex? Can we do a like Welland, for example, RL one, I talk about this all the time allows for a, a legal duplex with an accessory unit. So, you know, you could go from an agent that maybe, maybe doesn't understand the zoning, we'll put R1. But in reality, I call the city and it's RL1. And now I'm like, you're selling it for single family prices. I'm gonna buy this at a single family price of 520. This is the deal that we're doing right now. I'll buy this for 520. We'll do a legal duplex on it with an accessory unit downstairs. And we'll get an appraisal of 890. So now we've, uh, we're, we're able to borrow back all of our money plus a profit of $36,000 for me and $36,000 for my partner. And that's tax free. So, you know, it, there's, there's zoning is, is for sure. One of the biggest things that you have to look at, um, that, that would be probably the first and, 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 and anybody can call for zoning. It's just, yeah. is this something that me as a person looking to purchase a property, invest in, I should do. Is this something you could ask your realtor to do? Um, and where do you go to find out? Obviously, there's each municipality, but how do you know? Like, you're rhyming off R1, RL2, R2D2, like, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. there's, there's a whole bunch of coding. And so, how do I even learn about what is useful? So, the cities, each city has a bylaw yeah. um, page, like a PDF. So, you click that. I just do the command F so I can quickly search something. I type in. Um, that's fine for, for anyone. Yeah. So. Yeah. Man, <laughs> I command F my yeah. R2D2 yeah. and he shows up and delivers me coffee. Real estate agents, man. They're so yeah. good with tech. Yeah. I'm not at all, yeah. but they, um, if you type in RL one on the Welland, uh, bylaw, for example, it'll just it'll take you right up. there. And, um, 
it'll tell you permitted uses right there. And, and what what is the what is the the zoning for more than one unit? Like what what are the zo- is the is the zoning that is useful for building conversions and multiple residents the same in all municipalities? Same coding? No. Uh, like Welland RL one, to my knowledge, is 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 only in Welland. Like if I'm looking at, so um, RL one's not a thing in Oakville or no. There's like it depends on the it depends on the city. Okay. Like they're all. Um, I'm not going to say like RL one doesn't exist anywhere else. It might. I okay. I don't know. Most of my investing. All of my investing is in Niagara. Got it. So I know that one best. So what yeah. does that equate to RL1? What does that say? Hey, you can do this. Yeah. So you can do duplex with an accessory suite. Okay. RL2, triplex with an accessory. And that could be a garage conversion if the city allows it. So it's like a unit above a garage. Yeah. So or you're tri- right in the garage. If there's a, like a like a door, you need to escape like two yeah. access points. Um, it, it's it's kind of crazy when you really get into it and you start doing some serious research on it. You realize like how much you actually can yeah. do. Yeah. I guess uh, just for our listeners, um, can you maybe break down in layman terms again uh, what zoning is? Because some people may not know what the heck zoning yeah. is and like the, this whole ZL1 and yeah. ZR1 R2D2. mean absolutely R2D2. nothing <laughs> So yeah, just like in layman terms, it, 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 just break it down. Any Every city, every property has uh, a zoning code. And that zoning code is going to tell you what you can do, what per, what uses you can have in that property. For example, you know, there's residential, there's commercial, whatever, there's industrial zoning. Um, if, you know, it, like I said, if, if, if the zoning allows for a duplex, it doesn't mean you can just go and throw a kitchen downstairs and yeah. say, I own a duplex. You, you have to get proper drawings and permits and everything done. Yeah. The city has to know about it. Um, at least you know it's possible. Yeah, you have to. That's exactly what it is. The, the zoning will tell you what exactly is is possible with your property. And a lot of times, like I said, realtors, um, not to knock on realtors, you know, but <laughs> like realtors will will uh, zone a, a property improper. Uh, like they'll the, they'll put something that's R one, for example, and it's R one C. It's R C. It's yeah, R M. Like they, they didn't do enough research on the property. They're yeah, selling, and if they're not looking at it with that lens, I think that's part of it, exactly. right? They're, like. They're looking at a lens where I'm selling the property and the person's going to use it as is. Yeah. They're not thinking always about these nuances. And so your point is, if you are looking at it under that lens, make sure that you do secondary diligence on what's there because there could be some gems. I talked to a realtor who bought a property in St. Catharines and she said, uh, you know, she was just asking me questions and. You know, I said, oh, well, you could do this, you could do that. And she says, well, what do you mean I could do this? I said, well, your property is zoned for a duplex. She says, no, 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 it's single family. I said, I'm looking at it right now on, um, on the uh, the zoning uh, bylaw site. I was like, you can, you can do a duplex. She didn't know. So she bought this house, like good for her because yeah, she got huge, she probably got huge a good one. deal. Yeah. yeah. And, and she didn't know what the zoning was. So uh, like, if anybody's, if you're going to buy a property, you you should probably look up what the zoning is before you buy it. It we're, Like... Just understand that. So is this something that me personally, if I see a listing on MLS, um, if I were to go on MLS, where would I go to find this zoning framework, right? Like where would I go to find some sort of code? Is there like a proprietary code for each property, which you then put into the municipalities page and it will be like this property, here's the zoning code. So uh, on every MLS sheet, there's a zoning section. Oh, okay. And some agents just put residential. They don't put the, the actual, the actual code. code. 
So from there, I'll see what city it's in. If it's, if it's um, you know, Niagara Falls, I'm calling the city of Niagara Falls zoning department. I'm saying, hey, just confirming the zoning on this, what are the permitted uses? And you'll just tell them the address. Yeah. They'll have that on record. Exactly. Okay, and, cool. and from there, they'll tell you what it is. You know, if they reference the bylaw, then sure, I'll go look at the bylaw and just double check everything. Do they put you on hold for 15 months? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you have to wait for a month for an answer, but- Are you serious? You know what? It's funny because wow. if I'm trying to get a hold of them, I just call, 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 call. And the more you call them, you you build up a, a rapport with yes, exactly. whoever is on yep. the other line. You you know you know Jim, Stacy, and, yep. and uh, Kyla are the, yep. the regulars. Some great names, <laughs> yeah. Whoever they're all about that right? on this so. podcast. But um, okay, no that that's interesting. I think uh, like I this whole zoning, I understood what it like zoning is, but this whole ZL two talk definitely haven't heard this. Sounds like a car model to me. But no, that's that's super helpful. Um, that's really good do, to consider. Do we want to maybe, because the personal question that I've always wondered is when you think about, so we've talked about, uh, I, I actually want to like circle back to the beginning and almost check through yeah. each yeah. land. How does purchasing land work and how do you make money on land? You pretty much have to sit on it for a while. Yeah. Right? So a lot of guys will buy it straight up cash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people will buy land with a construction loan, so they'll have to build in a certain period of time. Okay. Um, I have some contacts who have purchased land, like I said earlier. And like 5% down, 20% down actually doesn't work on land, right? No, it's very different than just buying a, a, a normal property. But I have contacts that have purchased land and they'll go to the city. They'll apply for, um, you know, townhouses or a, a sub subdivision, for example, and they'll get it all mapped out. And then they'll say, you know, hey, we bought this as, you know, whatever, this zoning and they've converted the zoning. So they've they've changed the zoning. And now this this land that they paid a million bucks for is now worth $10 million. Wow. So there's a lot of opportunity there. It, it takes a lot more capital, mm. a lot more and patience. Time probably. Time, yeah. yeah. Especially whatever city you're dealing with. And you need a million with. bucks because <laughs> you can't do any less than, yeah. land is what, no less than 50% down, right? Yeah, like you can't yeah. mortgage a land for... 10% down. No, no. Yeah. It's like all, um, it's, it's, it's the only way. Why is that? I, I just like, they just didn't, so that people can't just be buying stupid amounts of yeah. land and really. I mean, people couldn't buy it anyway. It's, it's expensive. Especially yeah. like, like look at, look at land in Burlington. Look at. Well, this is where I have an interesting scenario for you guys. Um, and this is where I have a question too. Initially, I'll just ask this. Is it possible to buy an acre of land and and this may be a silly question and only half an acre is buildable like you can build on only half an yes. acre of it yeah right yeah for do sure. you know that going into the purchase like or could you if you got like pre-approval from the city or something like that you could yeah so okay. for example if you're buying a a, a lot that's um wind uh windecker john's john had a listing on okay. windecker it was uh, 10 acres mm-hmm. and I had a couple of people ask me, Hey, can you, can you build on the back side of the lot? And I said, well, I'm not sure. Let me call the city, called the city. They said, Hey, call the conservation authority, call the con- conservation authority. They said, there's a, there's a watershed that runs along the back side of the lot. You can't build past, I forget the exact uh, portion of the lot, but you can't build anything back there. You can't put anything there at all. I mean, non-permitted, sure. <laughs> yeah. But nobody's going to 
see yeah. it out there. You're but not going to get thrown out of there if you put a bicycle <laughs> on it. <laughs> yeah. But like you can't, it, it, there was, there's definitely restrictions to yeah. some areas of, of, of okay. lots. Yeah. So I guess if you do your proper due diligence, you can understand that prior to buying the property. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so land is, land is a long, to close off the land one, it's pretty much a long hold or elbow grease to convert it into something. Yeah. Or if you have, an, you, if you have an, like something, like if you have a, a, somebody in your ear saying, Hey, this is, this property zoned for development. Mm, um, then, you know, yeah. obviously somebody, some, somebody with capital is going to be able to jump on that and, and yeah. do that conversion. So this is where I'm curious, actually, and this is what we're going to lead into. Um, a friend actually, we were just looking around and he showed me, uh, and I won't say the specific row cause I'm not trying to get this thing taken off the market just in case it is like a, I don't know, a diamond and it's probably not on the rough. Um, but it was a property in a very nice area of Burlington. Uh, I think it was over an acre. Um, and it was selling for, was it four nine nine five nine nine? Would no way, <laughs> no, yeah, like this. So that's where I wonder maybe like half, like more than half so of that. It's got a gas pipeline right through the yeah, <laughs> no, the, but that's what I want. Like, and I'm telling you, like, if uh, after this podcast, I'm not trying to reveal the secrets and kind of sewer my friend in case he does want to pursue it. Um, yeah, like it, it seemed mind blowing to me the area that I was in and the cost that it was. So that's where I wonder, like, I didn't read the fine details, but maybe it's like, yeah, maybe only like a quarter of that's actually like you can build a nice 500 square foot shack on it and that's about it. And you have a ton of backyard. Yeah, it could be exactly that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, you know, people look at yeah, Niagara on the Lake, for example, has a lot of agricultural land um, where, uh, to my knowledge, I think you can only have a, a, a house and a, a barn or a garage. So it's, it's, you know, it's not you can't develop it so yeah. the value of obviously and, and not sometimes be there's land that you can buy that is protected land where you can buy the land but you actually can't do anything with it yeah nothing at all you nope. can just you flex that you have four acres yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can flex you have four acres and you go there with a tent in your car and that's about <laughs> yeah. it could have you could put a motorhome on it no up north there's a lot of that up north yeah. sturgeon yeah. falls nothing like, permanent i guess a lot of stuff up there where you can't build on it so then the next is um a single family home, which you can buy to live in, obviously. That's what most most people do. Yeah. Uh, or you can buy it and rent it out. I think in the area we live in, you're probably not getting into many scenarios where you're cash flow positive on that scenario. You have to go. Like, we're, we're, and, and for anyone listening, I know we have listeners all the way from like Australia and like England and stuff. At least in the GTA, the GTA in Ontario, which in is Canada. To clarify, Greater Toronto area. Yeah, for- in in this area, you're not going to be cash flow positive most likely on a single family unless you put in some work. Yeah. Um. So we can check that one pretty quick. After that, you get into. Could you take a single family and use it as a short-term rental? So single family, long-term rental might not be cash flow positive. Is single family, but short-term rental. Can you can we talk about short-term rentals for a bit? How does that work? And short-term rental, like let's clarify that it's also not just like Airbnb three nights. It's like sometimes people rent for like two, like a three month, months, yeah. and there's like a premium yeah. on that, right? Yeah. Yeah, depending on the area, um, you know, I know. Niagara Falls, hotspot. People are going to go to downtown. Crystal Beach was an Airbnb hotspot. Still is for people who own them. What's happening there now, and 
actually in St. Catharines, North St. Catharines near Port Luzi, they're cracking down on Airbnbs. Really? How so? Uh, so Crystal Beach, for example, you can't, you know, let's say I'm a, I'm a seller and I'm selling my property um, for 700K and I'm, I'm running a profitable Airbnb, $75,000 revenue per year. I can't sell that as an Airbnb right now because Crystal Beach says, pause, no more Airbnb. We're not, we're not issuing any more licenses. So you're either grandfathered in, yep. but the next owner doesn't exactly. get that. It doesn't transfer on closing. So the new buyer can't get it. And again, they've, they've only allowed a certain amount of licenses to be issued up until right now. Yeah. You can't get anything else. So the city's going to have a meeting. They'll talk about it and they're bringing in, oh, I forget what the guy said. I talked to the city guy, um, but they're going to make a final decision essentially later this year. And, you know, they'll, they'll go from there. Out, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's they just weird. Do that. So, you know, the, the Hoyer isn't just filled with Airbnbs. Yeah. And they have no permanent residence. Because that's all it would be, really. Yeah. I mean, investors coming in, buying an, Air, buying an Airbnb. Yeah. It's a nice, nice area. No, but, it is. Well, and we were talking to Jordan, too, right? Yeah. Like, there's also, like, if you are by... No, so he, so one of my buddies, he was actually on the show. So shout out to Jordan. I uh, hope you're doing <laughs> Jay well. Jay Solo. I know he was out in like Mexico living his best life. Oh, I'm awesome. waiting to rip his tracks while driving around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they actually have an Airbnb in Hamilton. Um, and Pause. He, was he the independent artist? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Right on. Right yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. So he, um, he was saying how they, they have a lot of, uh, like short-term rentals that are not just like a few days like they'll have he's had like um medical professionals who are renting it for like three months at a time because they're here for you know i don't know specifically what they were doing at yeah, like McMaster hospital yeah like they're a specialist in in the medical field and so they're here for three months to work at mcmaster or hamilton general so he's had a few of those but like he was saying that he also said like movie filmings too, yeah, right? Movie, like they, yeah, they, they went castings. out for like two, three months, movie cast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like you have a variety and uh so apparently Hamilton's somewhat of a hot spot for just random semi well still short term They're short terms, but, but they're short terms that are a little short easier terms. To, yeah, yeah, they're long short terms, which is nice because yep. you get that upfront payment, you know it's covered for the month. You don't gotta but he was saying even even so when he doesn't have those um he hasn't had a single day where it wasn't rented out in hamilton ontario wow yeah i was like i was pretty blown away and i was like you no you're just you're just joking around he's like no i I swear uh so i don't know maybe i haven't even checked out his like pricing maybe it's priced really well like it, so, it looks like, nice like Sondrin's Turo yeah like Sondrin's Turo you got a 350,000 kilometer Lexus for seven was it 50 bucks a day yeah, I think it's like 60 <laughs> bucks a day yeah. I mean rightfully so but um <laughs> no yeah so that's pretty cool to think about so that's an that's an interesting like do you have any experience with short-term rentals is that something you've considered do you know people who are successful in it like I I know of one person who's done it and so far seems pretty successful I've never done it personally. I've um, had clients that have done it Mm -hmm. and I've had a lot of success with it. I have one contact, uh, a good buddy of mine who um, created, uh, he started by doing short-term rentals with his own properties and then he moved on to Airbnb management and now he's... he's, He manages Airbnbs. Yeah, and they do really well. Yeah, because he'll just like hire a cleanup crew. Yeah, it's like 20%. Decorate them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like interior design, they do everything. Wow. All on the seller or the owner's dime of course but they're doing 20 percent 
revenue. They're taking 20% actually, per Yeah, property. it's actually like actually Blue Mountain. Be, yeah. Blue Mountain has one that like, they. I know they manage like 40 air they, they take a massive cut though they do. in Blue they Mountain. Do. That's something different. But you know what actually might be cool is one of these shows I saw, we got to bring Dave on. And uh, my buddy Dave is actually working on real estate investing. He's been doing it for a very long time, does it for a bunch of first responders. He's got a whole like thing around it. Um, but he's recently been looking into this in, in the United States. And so what we might do is maybe we'll bring you back, Jason, and we'll bring Dave on because you'll have a bunch of great questions Call it too. the Realtors Corner. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I'd love for Dave to talk us through this because we've been talking about short-term rentals, like short-term, like long one multi-week stays, but in like Florida or um, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, like love places where there's people that whether they are medical professionals or people that are traveling or people going there and like, Hey, I want to work and live here for a month or two with my family. So I'd love to learn more about it. So it's, it's interesting. You've had people that have done it. We can't go talk super deep on that one, but I think we will, we'll, we'll do that as a takeaway. Um, Multiplex. Hmm. Let's talk about that one a little bit. Um, Wait, before you jump into that one quick question, just cause I actually don't fully understand. So say you buy a property with the intention to use it as a short-term rental, Airbnb. Examples, like you said, with Port Dalhousie or is it Crystal Beach? Yep. Um, so like you can get it declined then, right? Like you don't, you're not guaranteed that you're going to get that thing up on Airbnb. So I guess uh, at that point, it's just like, would you do a quick pivot and just try and actually rent it out? <laughs> List it on Craigslist or something? I don't know. Probably, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, long-term rental sure you can always do that um some people if you look on airbnb look at all the all the places in niagara falls for example there's so many there's a lot yeah Yeah. and i would argue probably half are not legal niagara falls is interesting for that because you need commercial zoning Mm, for airbnb like anywhere in niagara falls yeah it's like i and i i just talked to the guy at the city and again they're cracking down to their issuing fines but you know, some I I know a guy, um, form like an old client of mine from two years ago. I haven't dealt with him since, but he, um, you know, he's been getting fined. Doesn't care because <laughs> he's, he's making, making so much money. Yeah. yeah, so he's just, you know, doesn't care. the The neighbors are okay with it, mm. but again, if you and if you got bad neighbors, good luck. But yeah, you know, it's becoming increasingly in, increasingly difficult there, especially there, there's a couple of new developments going on in the falls, but. Um, you know, <clears throat> look at cottage country. I mean, it went bananas over yeah, the some last people two have years. To go where you're basically not able to broadly rent it out. You're almost just doing it to friends and family where you're not yeah. renting it. Yeah, you might be charging them and e-transfer me, but you're effectively only giving it out to friends and family. You create like your own little personal circle. Of like yeah, they uh, people. Exactly, some people have yeah. to. Actually, one of the Airbnbs that we used to go to um with my my wife's family we used to go every year we we're going to go again this year this will probably be our sixth or seventh year um they they no longer offer rentals in that area through airbnb but she obviously has a solid rolodex of now friends and family uh who can come visit and get charged a better rate and just e-transfer her and no fees for her and through Airbnb yeah. and whatnot. So it works out a little yeah. bit okay for everybody. But yeah. obviously she's now bound to people that she has a bit of a relationship with and she trusts to do it that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that can that can really um mess you up if you bought a cottage with the intent purely of Airbnb being it and now 
you're stuck. So it is another thing to pay attention to, which to your point earlier, if you've never done this before, pairing up with people that have can help make sure you don't get to, yeah. uh, you don't get to a no shit moment. Yeah. And, and cottage country could be different because you could have uh, your na- your neighbors could be weekenders as well. Mm. So they're not going to care. I mean, they're going up. And usually you're far enough apart. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a little different there. Um, you know, anybody with a cottage, there's, there's no city guy coming coming and issuing a fine. You know, I don't know. I mean, but you got constable definitely Bill. not up there. He's having a beer with you instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's taking a snowmobile up the road, just, uh, just taking it down <laughs> to the bush with a twelve gauge for yeah. some fun. But um, so continue on your question. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, but no, I was no. Just, it's fine. I, I want to get into multiplex next. Yeah, and I think multiplex. Maybe just explain what it is, high level. But I think the question that's going to come to mind with multiplex, and we'll merge. Maybe we merge merge multiplex and burr a yep. little bit, and then we can dive deeper into burr. Um, what is it? How does it work? And when you're converting, like I think the question that I've always wondered: how much does it actually cost to do some of these things? Like, what is the average budget? for renovations and conversion in a decent level. Um, you can give a high and low range, but I always think people are, hey, I can buy this house, spend 50 bucks on paint, I'm good. Whereas other people might think, I buy this house to do renovations and upgrades is a half a million dollars. And so maybe give us like- Who have you met that said that? <laughs> $50 on paint? Some people. <laughs> I'm painting one wall. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, multiplex, of course, anything, we'll just say anything over one unit. Yep. Duplex plus. Um, capital requirement with, uh, we'll say with Burr. We'll, we'll talk We'll talk about Burr. In my experience, you know, obviously you have your 20% down. Anything, anything past that, your rental costs are going to range from the lowest one that I've ever had is 58000 Oh, I thought you were going to say 58 bucks. I was no, like, see? no, 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 58,000. Um, okay. the most expensive. And that was pretty recent. Like, obviously we got to go buy whatever material. Cost. That was pretty literally recent. like right now it's happening. It's like happening right now. Okay. So around up 60 grand, 60 dead, dead cheapest reno. Yeah. And, and that's, that's adding, you know, we're not just buying places. We're buying places that are awful. Like try, I try to buy places that are awful and just really add value to them. In the beginning, I would have fully gutted this place because I thought that was the thing to do. As you start to get more experience, you're like, well, it doesn't need to be gutted. We can still get away with, you know, adding new light fixtures, new floor, baseboard, paint, kitchen, uh, just making it look really presentable for the tenant, really presentable for any potential buyer in the future. I'm not going to do a, you know, 30K reno and then have to do another 70K reno before I sell it five years down the road. Um, so, you know, just kind of getting those into, um, you know, it, it the cap, yeah, it, it'll be ranging from 80 to 250 K. Okay. 250 would be like single family to six single family to triplex, like hundred K, 120 K. Um, but and that's over and above whatever you put down. Yes. Yeah. Your down payment, 20%, 20, 30%. Uh, Cause if you're getting into bigger multifamily deals, you'll need 30, 35. Got it. Down. So twenty to thirty five percent down. Yep. Plus why is that? to two fifty. They just require you to uh, have a little more skin in the game when it when it's more than one. Yeah, I mean, and, and and this is a totally different topic, but there's 
private lenders, Calvert Mortgages. Shout out Calvert Mortgages. Mm. We'll they, like them. Yeah, <laughs> they, they are. Uh, I haven't gone through them yet, but I've discussed with uh, with Jesse. Um, and, you know, he's mentioned to me, they'll fund pretty much any deal up to 800K with 20 grand down, which is a game changer for people in terms of, you know, capital requirements. If we're talking about down payments, if you're like, oh, you know, 600K, I need 120K down. It's like, no, you actually need 20 grand down. Interest rate's pretty high. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what's the interest rate? 15.9%. Okay. But. But if you have cash flow positive. Yes. And 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 you're only going to have it until you refinance. So, you know, this rental that we're doing right now in Niagara Falls is going to take us 30 days. Mm-hmm. It's a 30-day renovation. And that's, guys, we're buzzing. Like, we're flying. Uh, so, that's not common. It's rare to have that. But, um, you know, these, these these even if it was three months, 15% is, is okay. I mean, it's not – in terms of the risk that you're in for – uh, in this project for 20k is very minimal mm-hmm. i've had deal the biggest deal i've i've done i was in for probably two hundred fifty thousand dollars all in um and uh, like down payment and down payment rentals, rentals yeah. yeah and uh and you know those can be stressful i mean you're taking all of your active income savings shoving it into this investment and it's like you know what's going to go wrong next you know, what are we going to have to deal but with? But that's, that's the beauty of what you said earlier. If you partner. Yes. Um, so now you take 250 and yep. you split that two or three ways. You can reduce still a lot of money. Yep. <laughs> we're not, we're not putting that aside, but you've reduced your risk a little. So yeah. if 250 becomes 270. The extra 20, 20K split three ways is a little bit easier to bear um, because things do happen in projects, right? Actually on, on that point, what's like. On a general project, what would you say is um, is a good security buffer? Like 10? 10%? 15%. 15% of, of that total amount we're talking of down payment plus... Uh, 50% of your of your rental cost. 15% of your rental cost. Yeah, so, so if we're saying 100K, 100, add 115 just to be safe. Yep. Yep. And, and that should be enough. Now I'll say before you buy, you need to go in. It's crazy. Right now you're buying a property... No conditions because of the bidding wars. Mm-hmm. You've seen it for 10 minutes. You don't know what's in the attic. You don't know what's behind the walls. Yeah. So I don't be know scary. what's behind my walls. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. So expect the worst Bronx. when you're renovating. Yeah. It's always there's always going to be an issue when you're renovating a property. It's not like, you know, I'm gonna buy this house and and these are my numbers and this is exact. Yeah. If you buffer if you if you include that buffer, that's when you'll be you'll be better off in uh, you know, through that rental process. There's always going to be an issue, no matter what, unless you're just doing, you know, lipstick on a on a pig. And yeah. in this market, the only lipstick on a pig is is lipstick on a dead pig because you you have to do something more than a cosmetic reno. Yeah, you know, properties in Hamilton that are selling for 500k are hoarder houses, and they have junk piled up to the ceilings. So, yeah, there's always there's always things that will go wrong. Ten to fifteen percent usually tread on the fifteen percent side. Um, I've had projects where I'm working. Uh, I get a call from from a contractor. Hey, basement's leaking. You know, water's coming down. Uh, Niagara Falls house basement leaked. Water's coming down. <laughs> Irony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got Niagara Falls in the basement here, Jason. <laughs> water's coming down through the chimney. Um, we had, uh, you know, we had to repair the chimney. We had to waterproof the basement. We had uh, carpenter ants. Oh god. Yeah. So this is like, you know, the, the house was a hundred years old, a little over a hundred years old. So. You know, and I, 
I walked through it for five minutes, maybe, yeah. maybe five minutes. I saw a dead rat in the basement. I was like, man, this place is probably good. It's, you know, <laughs> smells. <laughs> we can get a deal here. Yeah, if it smells bad, it smells like money. But, um, you know, it was uh, it was the hardest project that I've done, and that was just a single family flip. There was nothing, no conversion, nothing. Hmm. Um, hindsight should have never even opened up the walls. <laughs> should have just. Threw some paint on it, new floors, kitchen, put it on the market because, you know, especially right now with the market going the way it is, it's uh, it's a lot easier to make money. Yeah. Everybody can be a real estate investor right now. Mm-hmm. But when you start to understand the the ins and outs of it, zoning, um, you know, like I said, being resourceful, once you have those resources in place, it makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So coming back to that, how does someone find... A great deal or can you even find great deals anymore like how do you do that yeah how do you go but and don't obviously spill all your secrets and you know take yourself out of business here but give yeah. us some good fundamentals that you use when you're searching it, it's a numbers game essentially so you know if i'm looking at the mls i look every single day for properties um i will scour through the second i see something i'll save it and i'll book a showing so let's say you know if i'm doing five showings a week i'm putting in two offers a week you know if i get one of those Great. If not, which right now it's it's very difficult it's because tough. you're yeah, getting outbid. Yeah, you want to buy the property at a certain price. I want to buy it for this price. I need to put this much into it. <clears throat> yeah, like and you have your calculated exactly. offer where it's it's a beneficial purchase for you. Yeah. So I yeah. need to know these are my numbers. This is what I want to make on the deal. Yeah. This is what I'll offer. Uh, and it's very difficult right now because of bidding wars. So mm-hmm. um, you know, finding deals off market is is ideal yeah Yeah, it's harder it's hard it's hard to convince a seller that you're going to pay them 500 when the streets they know their neighbor sold for 650 yeah probably not that receptive to it but um but it's worth a shot you always have to just you know for me again it's it's a numbers game yeah put in offers 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 eventually you'll get one yeah and then that's the one that uh, that'll make you some money um off market properties is that just a matter of you know knowing a, a listing agent and having that conversation with them before they put it up on yeah. public. Yeah. Literally that's probably the internal best connections. Way. Yeah, yeah. If you're on social, like I mean, every realtor's on social, they love yeah. their social media. Oh yeah. Um, but Tons if I see, shots. yeah, <laughs> actually funny. I saw a property on, um, online in Welland for, uh, two forty nine three weeks ago. Hmm. And I called my buddy. I said, two forty nine. called my buddy. I said, Hey, this is on the street. So I own two properties on the street. I called my buddy. I said, Hey, let's put an offering on this house. He says, uh, yeah, I'm in. Let's go. I said, all right, it's 489. Probably sell for 489. I called the agent. I said, don't list this, don't put this on market. I'm gonna come in and bring an offer. I'll send it to you within the hour. Oh, we already sold it. I said, oh what'd you sell it for? 395. Uh so like right there, prime example of something that if you jumped in 395, this place is worth 750 all day long. Really? Yeah. And, and and it's worth 750 because it's zoned for a duplex. And you found it where? On Instagram. Actually, my girlfriend found it on Instagram and sent it to me. So so you'll find that agents will post on Instagram before yep. it actually gets listed on like coming MLS? Soon. Coming soon, coming soon, coming soon. That's where you're going to find a lot of your deals. Yeah. Um, not only that, you know, for example, if I'm working in Welland on a project and I notice that the house across the street is, uh, you know, a, a one and a half story, they've got a separate entrance. Um, you know, that's somewhere I'll, I'll go over and knock on the door. Hey, you guys willing to sell a P of 600 because, you know, when you're doing deals on one street and this is something that maybe for me specifically, I'm just kind of talking about, but if I have two properties on one street and I've had them both refinanced at, you know, 800 and 750, 
I know that if I offer this this guy across the street 600 and I put 75k into it, I'm still yep. in a good position. Yep. I know exactly. You know I, the street. You know exactly. the area. I, I have the same appraiser. It's the same. It's the same rental, mm-hmm. and I'm picking properties that are very similar. You're so slowly I, bringing I like, up that street value. Yeah, I like one and a half it's templated, stories. Right. Exactly. I like one and a half stories. I like um, bungalows, separate entrance. Everybody loves those brick bungalows. Those are the most ideal, the 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 highest um, uh, selling product, if you will. Mm-hmm. But once you understand that, holy, you know, my place is worth eight hundred, and I just had it refinanced, then that's that's your in. You're like, oh, this. If you buy anything in a, in a half kilometer radius, then then you can call your appraiser back and pretty much get the same value. Yeah. How, how do you? Maybe talk to us about how you analyze these properties quickly. Like you've obviously got experience. Um, I assume if you're going to get into real estate investing, doing it yourself might be really bullish. You might want to work with an agent, not even an agent, but also an agent that has done real estate investing or helped in this because there's some aspect of the everything you've talked through, right? The numbers, the zoning, how do you analyze a property quickly for ROI? So, you know, first thing is uh, comparables. And, and, you know, because you're looking at the same areas for me, if I'm looking in Niagara specifically, you know, I, I can see that a property is worth, um, you know, if it's a, again, I'll say brick bungalow. If it's a brick bungalow, number one thing I'm looking at is is comps, resale, recent resales, 30 days, 60 days. Um, if, uh, if I know the area very well, I'll jump quickly. But I'll jump quick, quickly at the price that I have to get it at. Mm-hmm. And that's why the other day I got outbid by whatever that was, 120000 120, Yeah. You know, whatever. It happens. It's going to happen. Uh, but analyzing quickly is is comps. I mean, if you're not an agent, you don't have access to the MLS, it's going to be a lot harder for you. Mm. So um, the only other way, I, I would just, yeah, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even do it without a realtor. I would always use a realtor. And I shouldn't say this, but if I'm an investor and I wasn't a realtor, I would have multiple agents on the go. Just like absolutely just yeah. working for you. And I'll say this because I'm an investor first. That I started in real estate because I started investing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, shouldn't say this, but <laughs> I'm going to say. But if I'm an investor, I'm like, hey, agent one, agent two, agent three, I need a property under, I still do this as an agent. I have agents uh, in Windsor that send me real listings. London, St. Thomas, they're all sending me listings. Um, because You're just making people hungry for your business. Exactly. Right? And and buyer agents work for free. Mm-hmm. They don't get paid from you as a buyer. So, you know, get as many listings across your plate as you can. And if they're off market, perfect. Yeah. Going back to that, I, I'm curious as to like what is the benefit in a realtor selling to you? So you come to me before I list it on MLS. And why why wouldn't they hold it and listen on MLS, probably knowing that they're gonna have a bidding war? You know what I mean? Like what what's the incentive there to say, you know, Jason offer you offer me four hundred and eighty thousand done deal, whereas I list on MLS and a month later, I could turn around and actually sell for 570. You may so, be able yeah. to. No, but you know, I guess is that that if statement that makes them just like, ah, I just want the cash now, a quick done deal. Like, is that what it is? Or is there some more behind it? I think there's a couple of variables to it. So yeah. some agents just want the transaction. They're just like, I just need to hit numbers this month. And yeah, straight up. They're transactional. Yeah. Get a ton. Um, other 
sometimes the seller, you know, they don't want to go through the process of, of listing. It's just they don't, they want, don't want the effort. Yeah, they don't yes. want people going through their house all the time and, yeah. you know, dealing with uh, whatever. Especially well, you gotta, COVID. You got to clean it up. Yeah. You got to stage it. Fair. You got to be out of it. Like, yeah. There's work in listing. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, look at, uh, yeah, John's um, recently, like, four, to have 45 showings booked wow. in 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, Annoying. You know, who wants in you, you have to get a hotel, yeah. hotel room? It, yeah. In Tyandega. Yeah. And and what do you do if you're at work all day and you have a dog? I mean, it just gets super, super annoying. It's it's inconvenient for a lot of people. Um is it, it is it a hundred thousand dollars or okay, not maybe not not always the case, but is it a is it a sixty thousand dollar inconvenience though, you think? Like in some cases? You don't know how much it is though, I think is the problem. Yeah. I, I guess I'm That's like I'm speaking like in like our current market. You know, like you're getting cur- and current market though, like we have to be real. The price point is being set intentionally to drive bidding. Yeah, yeah I know. But not every home under- gets bid up massively over. So every single one of those. But what if you know what you have? You never actually know what you have, though. There's always risk. Like, hmm. the risk might be reduced, but there's always risk. Yeah. I don't know. Like, have you seen any properties in the last six months that have only sold for 20,000 over asking be honest mm. you know what i mean like and that's what i that's where i start to ask that question okay but we're also in a specific market we're talking when we're talking real estate investing buying off market working with an agent we're no, not I'm talking not. about buying in oakville ontario where people well, are hey, under listing the price. like i'm just asking relevant questions yeah, yeah. okay good he didn't you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just like no it's fair though you know no like, no but i just want to make sure as we discuss it let's make sure it's broadly relevant have that's, you found those off-market deals in this area maybe that's a better question this so area mike chills out a bit probably not this area for investing is Terrible. not ideal yeah because you're going to pay you know one point something two point something yeah and you're going to rent it out you're, you'll lose money guaranteed yeah you're not gonna have a cash flow no. positive at that at no. that price and i think on, what do you think is a sweet spot for a rental value is it is it like 75 uh, 750 down or is it like it's a good question um depends on the investment du- and the amount yeah, yeah that's true duplex two two to three units you can scoop up under 750 in niagara all okay. day uh, maybe in Hamilton or maybe conversion opportunities in Hamilton mm-hmm. out here, no chance. Uh, but what you can find out here, if you have the coin is large commercial deals, okay. um, where you're going to, you know, car washes or, yeah. or, um, <laughs> told you, I literally, I said car wash to him. Like, I don't know, probably was it like six months ago now. That's my favorite investment. Yeah. I never obviously I never made it, but that to me Thank is you. like is uh is yeah. is one of the one of the goals that I have for investing. What and can you okay, a little off topic, but yeah. like, give us quick like why. So just to help. Okay, so for transitioning salt. from from you know the big transition is gas to electric. Yeah. I, I know uh some some people who own um a mechanic f- um uh, trying to watch what I say franchise. Yeah. So they own this franchise. They're, they're going through a process right now, transition where they're like, Oh my God, we need to, we need to start servicing electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, and, and while every auto manufacturer or our, our auto servicing uh, place goes through that transition, car washes are just like, we're just a car wash. We'll yeah. still clean your car. Like, so come on in. And if you look at that, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Stony Creek, but there's a one on green road and it's packed all the time oh, yeah it's like auto uh, auto spot here in Burlington. Exactly. there's one day i went there 
uh, past there, not in there, because that was absolute craziness. There was a lineup outside of the driveway, which, by the way, this is a huge lot outside of the entrance of the, the lot down the road. Down the road, it was down Appleby lines. It's like Dairy Queen, maybe. Dairy no, Queen honestly, lines. it's like Dairy Queen on a Thursday after Pee Wee Soccer or something. <laughs> yeah. Like it was insane. I, but that's what. So yeah, continue. Sorry, to, that's amazing. No, yeah. I, I agree. I think uh, I, I I used to like gas stations. Yeah. I used to aspire to be like I'm going to own a gas station. Um, obviously not anymore. I still think they'll be, of course, right now. You know, they're valuable, but um, you know, for looking long term, I like uh, I like car washes it's something about it i know um the guy who owns that one in stony creek and they make uh, quite a bit of money it is is the one that he owns is it like a just you drive through or does he have a, a little side bit like so auto spa has the one where you drive through they have the self-serve ones and then they also have you have the option where you can drop your car off for like a quick detail so like 30 minutes to an hour for different levels of detailing is it like one of those or is it just a straight Drive in, yep. pop out, you're good to go. Yeah. Okay. Straight cool. driving. Yeah. And that's probably, I feel like that's probably the most profitable model because it's it's hands off. You yep. just got to have someone there to like change the the fluids. Yeah. Like the soaps and stuff at some point. A lot point. of servicing on the equipment, but other yeah. than that, yeah. it's way more. There's a, uh, um, I think I I said the one on Green Road. It was a, it's a, so there's another one on Barton Street. That's the one I was talking about. I, Is that it? I, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure my buddy owns that one. Yeah. Yeah. So that one is, uh, you, you drive in, there's a bunch of guys that come in. There's like a group of literally seven guys. They open up your car. It's a shorter period of time and you're gone. Yeah. You're off. I'm pretty positive. He owns that one. Yeah. <laughs> so back to properties, we can buy a car wash soon. We buy <laughs> cars. We just buy cars. Yeah. <laughs> I just buy cars. I don't know. And I want to wash them. I know. I will never bring some of those cars to your car wash. But, <laughs> no. Um, okay. So analyzing quickly, uh, the ROI. And then a after that, maybe let's talk about, we're not going to be able to cover everything today. So maybe we talk about some like good next steps that we can guide people to. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how to analyze ROI quickly. And then, and then things that we can start pointing people to because, and, and we might have to do a follow-up is what I'm realizing is like, there's so much content here. Oh, real estate. Um, like you can go into a whole, but, but I think hole. people are going to have questions after this. So let's guide them to like top one or two spots that we can send them to for more info, even if it's your email. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll continue the conversation. So ROI, how do you, how do you even know? How do you know? Yeah. So obviously basic ROI, um, new price minus old price divided by old price i think is what it is now that i'm thinking of it um yeah. i don't really do that i do cash on cash returns okay. always because mm -hmm. i'm always looking for burrs um uh the goal is infinite cash on cash return all your original investment and just be sitting on um straight leverage and taking in the cash flow and i guess the biggest piece of that is quickly scoping what like the down payment's pretty obvious yeah you can set a cap on what you're willing to pay. Yep. So the variable is construction costs. Construction and rent. So you yeah. need you need someone. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing, and I'll plug evolution right here, but uh, you know, if we were to get a phone call saying, Hey, I have a walk through 30 minutes, can you guys come through and do a, a quick quote for us? Sure. So our GC Nate, who's awesome, he would go through, uh, do a quick floor plan measurements, and um, you know, we'd have a quote with you to, to you in 48 hours within 48 hours. <clears throat> and you know, that's, that's your biggest one. And I think that the rookie mistake is that people, and I've done this, but they'll gut the entire house 
and they're like, oh, everything, this, you know, it's plaster. It's got to be gutted. We, we need to, yeah. we have to go. And it's like, it's so it's like unnecessary. those are things you leave to whoever wants it next. Yes, just leave it. And especially if you're going to hold on to it for 20, 10, 20, 30 years, even if it's five years, like just, just don't do that. <laughs> Unless you have, Yeah, it's about being smart and deliberate with the things you actually do. Yeah. And, and, you know, your money is... Uh, although I, I do believe in giving a, a, a tenant a really solid product because they'll respect it more. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll you'll yield a, a higher rent. I don't believe in adding another, you know, doubling your investment on reno just to just to change it from plaster to drywall. Yeah. And I used to think that that was the right way to go. And I, I'm telling you from experience, it's probably um, if I could go back, I would have been because some people just don't care like they some don't people care. are fine yeah. with plaster yeah and that's not for us to decide no you, you still you know you do your you do your your big things right you do your floors you do your paint you do your your, your baseboard um you do a nice kitchen yeah. and and if you have to do uh, you know some sort of open concept you do that low checking, hanging, i'm checking my baseboards fruit. as you're talking pretty dirty <laughs> they could use some dusting <laughs> no you get the low-hanging fruit and whatever yeah. house right yeah maximize your your value by um, again, I'm going to say be resourceful, but, uh, you know, we have a standard list of features and processes that we adhere to and that we use. We're not going to go and buy, you know, a $1,500 light fixture. We have a standard list of light fixtures that we that are like that best we use. value. Yeah. It's and, super and, cheap Yeah, because they look good. They'll, I mean, what, what, uh, you know, durability does a light fixture have to have? I mean, yeah, there's, just, a, certain light fixture. there's I mean, a certain level yeah. with diminishing return. Yeah. I mean, you complimented this one and this one was, uh, in this room is $50 exactly. on Amazon. Justin picked go. it out I himself. picked it out. I'm, yeah. I'm really happy that you complimented that. Thank you. <laughs> Did you like that light? Justin? I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that I like too. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. Maybe let's go in on something. Hey, I'll do the interior design. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Like somebody will be like, oh, I need an interior designer. Like he just said. Yeah. So. You know, the interior designer is going to be expensive, expensive yeah. especially now. They're going to be like, oh, well, let's do this here. So they're going to nice. do unnecessary things. Yeah. Minimum of a thousand just for their consultation usually. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so little little things, um, you know, if we're going to really get into the nitty gritties, you're looking at some emotional, you know, some things that will bring out emotion. Nice feature wall, mm-hmm. relatively cheap. Um, electric fireplace, again, relatively cheap. A couple thousand bucks all in for your mm-hmm. house if you're going to really add some some stylistic features, but, uh, for the most part, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't have to be this massive, massive rental. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've learned that through actually the, the GC that we have. And, uh, you know, he's taught me quite a bit about that, but, um, you know, real estate is, is get in, you know, do, do what is necessary to create a, a really solid product and, and, Put a tenant in there after you do your proper due diligence with them, but put a tenant in there and and hold it for the long term and be able to create enough equity in your portfolio that you can have some leverage and 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 take that leverage and make sure that you're you're continuing that uh, that upward trend. You know, you're not gonna t- you're not gonna leverage three houses and take your equity and then go. Uh, go buy a, a Lamborghini. Although that'd be nice. It'd be pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. Be very cool. Not yeah. a smart financial <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, I'm a firm believer in if you refinance, that money is to stay in that endeavor. You keep yeah, that in real estate. Over. Yeah, or you put that in, in the markets uh, mm-hmm. in a low low cost ETF or something like that. Yeah, like That's an smart. index. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. So um, in, in the show notes, we're going to include 
uh, a link to the zoning 101. We'll find a good zoning 101 that people can look at. Um, we'll link out evolution. So if you are going to go do a walkthrough and want to take on a project like this yourself, I think the reality is not everyone's going to take on a project like this themselves, but if you are, we'll link out evolution and then we'll also, uh, add your email, um, because that'll be the most relevant place to find out about this more turnkey solution at just invest. And I think we'll have to do a whole segment on that. Because the idea is we've talked through a whole bunch of options. Most of the options we've talked about today are going to require you doing a lot. But if you want it to be a little bit more passive, I think that's what we talked about before the show, which Just Invest is building um, with Van Geese Group. We'll link just to your email for now so people can find out more if they're really interested. But that's if you have capital, if you're interested in getting into this space, but don't necessarily have the time, energy to go manage all the details. This is like the turnkey solution. But if not... Hopefully all the things we've talked about today have opened you up, whether you like, maybe you want to look into some land, maybe you're going to house hack, maybe you're going to grab your first new pre-construction, maybe you will go do a reno flip or conversion or burr yourself and, and we'll have the details for you to connect with those people. And then if not, if you want something more passive um, because you've got capital, but you don't have time, which is the case for many people, then then we will... Um, dive into that too and maybe in that episode we can talk about um actually you know what we'll do and i I watched a video that you you had done around leveraging your existing home uh the equity in your existing home for real estate investing so we'll link that video actually here as well because i think it's a good primer for the next dialogue and we'll have the next dialogue in a couple couple months to make sure that it's hot off the press um so thank you for coming through today jason i think we learned a ton I still have so many questions. I think we would probably talk about this for like five hours. Oh, I'm not, I'm not even near bored. <laughs> I, if I had coffee, we'd be going to like two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Any Anything you want to add, Justin? And then Jason, uh, anything you want to add to close us out on things like top things people should take away? Well, I'll leave it to you and then I'll, I'll say my bit. But Yeah, I think, uh, you know, first and foremost, obviously, thanks for having me. Um, you know, anybody who's looking to invest in real estate, you know, I'd be willing to jump on a Zoom call, a phone call, email thread, whatever it is, whatever, you know, is your best method of contact. Um, and, and everybody's goals for real estate investing will be different. You know, you might want one property, you might want 10 properties, you might want to retire with 50 properties, doesn't matter. Whatever it may be, I, I'm open to a conversation. Um, and, and you know, when it gets down to it, if, if, uh, if you have a, a list of 10 houses that we want to see, I'd be willing to work with any any client and and come up with a, a plan of attack, run the numbers, and kind of help you figure out your your investment and what's best for you specifically. So uh, that's the beautiful thing about it. There's so many options, so many ways that you can invest in real estate, um, so many different goals that people have, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's why I love doing this. It's different every time. So yeah. um, you know, anybody who's listening, if you're if you want to chat, just feel free to reach out. You can reach me at uh, jason.oconnor, O-C-O-N-N-O-R at kw.com or just give me a, a text or a call at 905-973-2495. Jason's uh, nickname is also, also Mr. Approachable. So <laughs> do not hesitate. Just throw my cell out there. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, sale. Oh, sale. Yeah, no. But uh, no, I know I learned a lot today. Um, you you shown a shown us a lot of different ways of thinking about real estate. Uh, so I really appreciate you coming on. I, uh, I just know I got some calls to make. You're going to start scheming now. <laughs> yeah, uh, start scheming. So 
Uh, I think we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for everyone to for turn for tuning into the this uh, episode and uh, have a great day or night, depending on when you listen. To this. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See ya. You've been listening to the Flywheel Podcast. To the Flywheel Podcast. Hosted by Mike and Justin. Tune in for regular episodes and show notes at theflywheel.ca. 